Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. Brendan, I'm hosting this week. I'm here with Nick. How's it going? How's it going, man? Uh, not too bad. You know, just same old watching movies. Uh, you know, the weather's getting nice, but, you know, it's 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 tough. But uh, we got a lot, actually, to talk about this week. It's it's a pretty exciting week in the world of movies. Um, some great topics. Uh, we're going to kind of jump right into it here with the biggest thing this week. Definitely something that didn't break the internet but was pretty close to it and that was the uh announcement that uh, hbo max will release the snyder cut in 2021 um uh what what was your initial reaction when you heard about this well i gotta say i'm curious i am curious about this i mean it has been the joke for the longest time that um like whenever someone like some trollish looking person on Twitter comes at you just kind of like to like release a Snyder cut. And I was like, <laughs> that's just kind of the end of it right there, you know? Um, but I got to say, I am a little fascinated. Um, but I, that comes with a huge caveat that I'm going to be really annoyed for the next year with people who were like a part of this movement and said like, Oh, I knew it. They had the footage the whole time. And it's like, no, like they had like, just like the random footage that he put together, but like now Zack Snyder has to go back to the editing bay, basically. Like they gave him like twenty, thirty million dollars to finish this. So um I think that's gonna be the the annoying part of this where it's like, oh yeah, Warner Brothers was just holding this like movie for the longest time. And it's like, no, it's it's not quite how it works. <laughs> but uh, I I am fascinated because I feel like this is like the first of its kind where it's like people like you just hound people on Twitter and eventually it's like, Oh yeah, here's a movie. Here you go. You get what you wanted. Um, so it's, it's really, it's kind of bizarre from that sense. Yeah. I would argue that, uh, Roger Skywalker also was similar to that. It's <laughs> 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 kind of a lot of uh, appeasing, uh, the, the, the anger online, you know? Yeah, maybe. Um, I guess, in the, I guess from this perspective where it's just like, like we had a movie and then they're like, I know we want a different kind of it, you know, and we want, we want the different, the Zack Snyder's true vision Mm -hmm. to come to life, uh, which I think is a little different there, but yeah, I totally, yeah, it's, it is just this thing that we're dealing with now and just Twitter in general, where you can just, people can just hop off. And if you, you kind of mobilize together, you can, and if you're persistent enough, things like this happen, which is really crazy. But, um, I do think this movie's going to be good. Like what, like, what are your thoughts on it? Just as a, as a movie? I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, this is something that I, I felt was getting much more serious. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people behind this movement, but I I felt that this was getting a lot more serious when a few months ago, I believe, maybe it was late 2019, but I think it was a few months ago when we saw all of the cast tweeted out. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I totally remember that. Yeah, I think from that point, I, I really felt like there was there was definitely there might be like an end of the line here where something happens because that's that to me is bigger than um, people on Twitter, you know, and I don't know. I just figured that there was, there might be something to come from that. And that was, that was big, but then obviously people persisted and it's happening, but you're right. 20 to $30 million to finish up this film, do all the post-production stuff. So you're going to have people that are arguing um, on either side uh, saying, you know, so the Snyder Cut was real all along. Then you're going to have some people that say, no, it, it wasn't. Like, you need 20 to 30 million to finish up this thing. Uh, so, I mean, I think that the, the fight uh, live on in a sense. But if the film will be good, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I think it might be, I mean, I think it'll be an improvement over um, what what 
audiences got a couple years ago. I think it will be an improvement, but I don't know if it'll be that much of an improvement um, because for the most part with the DCEU, I haven't really been impressed by many of their films. I think they've had some okay movies here, some not so great movies here, um, a couple good movies, but for the most part, I've been underwhelmed. So I don't see how this can be that different. Um, and, and after I'll hear a little bit of, of what you think, I mean, we got to talk about the uh, proposed runtime for this thing as well. Oh my God, kill me now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess if we're going to look for some, some sort of like template of what this thing could be, it's probably the ultimate cut of BVS, uh, which was, I guess that movie, that, that portion of it, I guess, made more sense than what was released theatrically. Like they had just more in-depth backstory and Superman gave him more things to do and whatnot. And there was extra scenes that kind of just cleared things up and made things make a little more sense. But I ultimately left that just being like, this still isn't very good. Um, so I feel like that's kind of going to be the same, right? Cause it'll be a lot of the same Superman Jesus imagery and just um, like, what if gods were among us and lofty dialogue and all that sort of thing that you saw in man of steel and even more so in, in BVS. Um, so um, maybe it'll make sense. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I kind of, for, for some reason, I kind of weirdly enjoy whatever the Josh Whedon Frankenstein of a movie that Justice League actually became back in 2017. Um, cause it did for all its faults. And this movie is just absolutely messy. And I can't, I would never say it's like a good movie, quote unquote, but it, it does, it strips away all of that, like, for lack of a better term, like the Zack Snyder baggage, you know, where it's it's very light and it moves quickly um, and it's there's a little pep in its step. And I, I kind of love everything with Superman in like the last like 10, 15 minutes. Like it's kind of incredible. Like Henry Cavill is doing his great Christopher Reeve uh, impersonation and it's just so good. And it made me want wish for like just more of Henry Cavill's Superman, which we might not get, which is kind of a bummer. But um, I do like a lot of that stuff in that movie. Um but yeah, uh, I'm preparing myself for for 2021 when we have to watch this uh, four hour thing, <laughs> which is going to be it's going to be something. That's for sure. I mean, like there's talk of them splitting it up into like a six part series. I heard that. But I mean, I, I feel like we're so far away that they could do so many different things like like it could end up being like a three parter, a two parter, four parter, six parter, uh, a four hour film, a three and a half hour film, five hour. I mean, I, I feel like there's there's we're so far away that that who knows what the actual final product will be. But what we've heard is potentially either like a six part thing or like a, a movie that's a little over four hours. Um, so, I mean, I hope the fans yeah, it's, appreciate it, but I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. It, it's kind of interesting. Cause we're seeing this sort of just turn into content. Cause right. This is part of the new HBO max library and they're going to use this. I mean, they really, they released this press release and it's not going to come out until 2021. Um, so this is a lot of this is to just create buzz for HBO Max as it drops. I think with the next few days, I don't know when the, when the exact date is for that, but um, yeah, like they're using this like, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have the rest of the Warner Brothers library as well, and they're really just kind of pushing forward to be like, we're like the next big player in this space. Um, so it is fascinating. I'm sure they're just going to like, hey, look, we have a lot of money from investors and all that AT&T money that's coming in. They want to do want us to do more stuff. So. Zack Snyder have at it. Um, so it's really interesting, but I think it, and it's also, it speaks to maybe this is a lot of like his, maybe it is supposed to be his original vision as well, because at the beginning of this, when 
uh, before even BVS came out when Warner Brothers released their lineup of DC movies back at Comic-Con. I think that was back in 2016 or 15 or something like that. But uh, like they had all these movies and they had a Cyborg movie coming out and they had a Green Lantern movie, Green Lantern Corps movie as well. And they said that Justice League was going to be a two-part movie. Um, so I don't know, four hours of movie kind of sounds like two parts to me or who knows, maybe we're just kind of a lot of padded out scenes because it's just kind of like a rough cut of all the footage they shared. So, uh, I don't know, like, yeah, like, like we said, like there's gonna be a lot to sift through here because, um, like they have to finish this movie. Like there's so much stuff they have to do and do all the post-production and I'm sure they want to go back and fix a lot of the CGI that was with, um, What's his face? The guy who says mother the whole time. Steppenwolf. I don't even remember his name. Jesus. Um, but yeah, like there's just so much to like to finish here though. It's all this is just pure speculation at this point. Definitely. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but this is just a perfect move on HBO Max's part. I think like this is just a wonderful way to, to get attention for your uh, streaming service. I wonder if they were holding out on this particularly because they wanted to see how much hype could be built and particularly because they know that they have a streaming service coming and it might be great for the platform like i don't know this is just a really good marketing move in my opinion um but uh one other thing i do want to touch on before we move on from the snyder cut stuff is we're gonna have two movies with batman next year now um this and obviously matt reeves is uh the batman and i i don't know this this kind of makes me feel a little weird yeah it's bizarre isn't it <laughs> um i don't it's we're on uncharted territory here and then there's all the talk with, I mean, Pattinson and Matt and Matt Reeves have come out and said like, oh, this Batman's going to be so different. It's going to be it's entirely its own thing. So, um, yeah, warring Batmans, I guess uh, it'll be really interesting. But I guess if there is one thing that I'm interested in is I really like Ben Affleck's Batman. It's like kind of one of the few things I liked about BVS and Justice League and kind of Zack Snyder's vision for this universe. Um, I just I just thought Ben Affleck was really good. And I. I would like to see, because he, he, even for all the faults that there are in BVS, and we could spend like 10 more hours talking about those, uh, like Ben Affleck is working really hard in those movies. He got himself in really good shape, and he's he's just really good. Uh, he's a really good like asshole as as Bruce Wayne in some of the few scenes, like that one dinner scene where he's faking like he like he drank too much and he's doing some rec- uh, doing some surveillance stuff. And he's just, I, th- I thought he was really good. So if Maybe if there's going to be like any saving grace in this for me, it's just getting to see more of his Batman and Bruce Wayne, which I think could be pretty cool. But I, I'm not looking forward to all the people on Twitter trying to compare uh, Robert Pattinson and the Ben Affleck Batmans. That might that just kind of seems like a hellhole <laughs> that I don't want to be in. <laughs> no, definitely. But I mean, I'm, I'm still looking forward to the uh, Reeves Batman. I think that's that's probably my most anticipated for 20. 2021 as it stands just i mean that cast i mean i i like matt reeves as a director as well i think he's got uh, the chops to definitely uh, pull this off and pattinson in, in in the role of batman i think that's going to be uh, uh one uh, hell of a thing to watch yeah i just think it's hilarious how the dude from the lighthouse who was just like drinking turpentine and just going nuts for two hours is now in like one of the biggest properties like that's just hilarious to me uh, and he's gonna bring some really not, maybe not weird bits to this role, but he's going to bring a different edge uh, to Batman. So um, who knows? Maybe that makes the Snyder Cut look hilariously bad by comparison. Um, but yeah, that one is absolutely on the top of my list as well. For sure. Um, so just segueing out now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the new Tenet trailer. And I think the reason we're going to talk about it is, I mean, we didn't talk about 
the first teaser when it dropped, I don't believe. But this is a little bit bigger because, I mean, Nolan is, is quite aggressive about this thing coming to theaters. Um, the July 17th release date still stands. However, they did take off the July 17th release date for this trailer and just put in coming to theaters. And then afterwards, they put the July 17th the release date back on their posters. In my opinion, I think the reasoning for that is just in case if, if the coronavirus rages on into deep into July and they have to postpone this thing, they can keep playing that trailer without it looking weird saying coming July 17, you know. So that's probably the reason they did that just in case. But I think one of the reasons we do have to talk about this is because of where this trailer premiered, which was uh, the platform, the gaming platform, Fortnite. Yeah, very, very bizarre. And <laughs> I don't, I mean, there's been some, uh, like, forays into this before. I think Travis Scott had, like, a had a concert on <laughs> Fortnite. Um, like, there have been, like, certain entertainment arms trying to, kind of get into this uh, and figure out a new way to market their stuff. Um, I don't know the necessarily the overlap between Fortnite users and people who love Christopher Nolan. Uh, who knows? Uh, but I, I'm sure Warner Brothers and their data had a lot, a lot of strong things to say there. So um, I, I think it's a really cool choice, I mean, especially because people are just locked in their house. And I'm sure there's a lot of gamers out there just chilling online and playing. So... I think it's, it's kind of a brilliant move when you think about it. It's really silly to think about like a Christopher Nolan, a super serious time time uh, travel Christopher Nolan movie uh, on Fortnite. It sounds hilarious, but then when you think about it, it does make a lot of sense. You, you know, um, I think this was the uh, kind of a great move for this movie. I think Christopher Nolan has established himself. Uh, he has a fan base. He's one of the rare directors that has like a, a fan base that can literally help his movies turn profits even if like they're they're completely original ideas like he's one of the only directors that definitely has that um and i think the reason he went to fortnite with this is because you got to start branching out at some point and tenet is an expensive movie it's a big movie he wants to get people excited to go back to the theaters and i think that going after a different audience potentially um through the fortnite platform is 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 what he was going for um and yeah you're right we've had we've seen other people in recent uh times i think last month travis scott did his uh, concert there and reports said that there were upwards of uh, 10 million people that that participated in that over the week that travis scott did those events on fortnite so i mean this is this is definitely a um a, definitely a channel that nolan is trying to tap into and kind of just in my opinion it seems like trying to broaden his uh, broaden his base for sure. Yeah, and as much as I feel like I've talked in the past about how I'm a little allergic to Christopher Nolan movies, um, I don't I I love a lot of his work, but then there's also stuff that frustrates me about a lot of his movies. But he still is he's basically one of a kind at this point. Like no one is making the kind of movies he's making on his, on that scale and that kind of profitability every single time. Like you could maybe look at like, like a Tarantino, but even like his budgets are like most of the time, like half of what Nolan was working with. Cause no one is doing like these 150 to $200 million budget movies, which are just kind of insane. And like even Dunkirk made over 500 million worldwide, which is kind of crazy for a war movie. Um, you don't really see that a lot now. So, like, his name is just really, really strong. And I, he is one of the few guys where, like, he directed The Dark Knight. Everyone knows that movie. It's kind of like, it's nauseating how many, how much how much people talk about that movie now. And everyone loves Interstellar and Inception just from looking at it from a, 
like a wide audience perspective for maybe people who don't live in our bubble who are talking about movies all the time. Like they know who Christopher Nolan is. So any way you can get his name out there on a property like this, I think is really smart. And I think even though like you're going to have a lot of Fortnite players who probably they won't, you won't see them talking about the Meyerwitz stories, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but um, like they do know who Christopher Nolan is. And I think I'm tapping into like these weird markets, I think do make a lot of sense. And it's just another example of how, all these studios are trying to be creative and market to people um, in these just strange times. I think, I think it's really brilliant. Yeah. And I mean, there's also now talk, I think they're, they're partnering up as well uh, in the summer. Uh, Fortnite's going to stream a Christopher Nolan film on, <laughs> on the platform as one of their events. I don't know what movie that'll be, but I think if we're, we're trying to probably build the hype for tenant, my guess is that it would be inception. Yeah, maybe I get well Cause I know Inception is on Netflix here in the States, so I wonder if they might try to do something else, like maybe like one of the Batmans, or I don't know, but yeah, I, like you really can't go wrong, if you just pick any of his later day works, like you're gonna get like a, maybe you get Travis Scott numbers of 10,000 <laughs> 10 million people watching it, who knows um, but I think anyway, like it's it's hard, I mean, especially after all of this is over, it's going to be even harder to get people to theaters than it was already before. Like the theater margins were, have been shrinking for years. And like, this is new and we've been talking about this for quite a while on this podcast, but just any way you can reach new people, I think is, is worth a try. So even though it might seem a little silly, um, I mean, like, why not? Like you're going to like, if you're just going to keep plowing ahead and doing the same things, like you're probably going to fail at some point. So why not get creative? Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, one thing you definitely have to respect about him is his is his love for uh, cinema itself and, and, and shooting on film and, and really pushing the theater experience. That's definitely something to uh, admire. Yeah, I for like I said, the things the issues I have with some of his movies, I really appreciate how he's like, I know the platform that I have. So like, damn it, I'm going to like do it how I want to I'm gonna do it how I want to like you're going to play my my movie in as many theaters as possible. You're going to blow down an IMAX. It's going to be in 70 millimeter and you're going to basically just bend to me and let me do my thing. Um, which I just, I just love it. Cause it's like, even Scorsese is like not quite on that level anymore. Like I always go back to something like silence, which just paramount buried um, just cause they just didn't want to put any more money into it. But then you have like Nolan over here is just like, yes, like I'm going to make my really high concept, like highfalutin movie and you're going to pay $200 million for it and market it how I want and put it in the theaters I want. Um, I just, I, I respect the man who's like just throwing his weight around like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And um, it, it's interesting. And just kind of segueing away from that, I think something else we can talk about just not theater related but just movie related in terms of different kind of platforms is uh, the vod release of capone they released numbers uh, that capone uh, made 2.5 million dollars in its first 10 days on vod um they're expecting to be at least 10 million dollars in the hole after uh, after this i i think for the most part this is kind of a, a bad sign obviously it's not good to be in the hole uh, by any margin but i think this is a movie that would have potentially fared better in theaters yeah, and after I was just kind of blown away by the craziness of Capone, because like it's just like I said, it's one of the craziest things I've seen this year. <laughs> um, you just you do more research on it, and basically this movie was finished filming at the end of 2018, um, and it was like Bronze Studios, who I know works with a lot of um, 
Warner Brothers. Uh, they, they team a lot with Warner Brothers. And then you had uh, Lawrence Bender, who was a big producer as well, working on it. Um, and they basically finished this movie and they went to market. And then just no one wanted to buy it. And that's how it ended up with Vertical Entertainment, who release they release a lot of straight-to-VOD stuff. But this is definitely one of their more um, prestigious um releasings if i can even call capone prestigious <laughs> considering the <laughs> events of the movie um but yeah like this movie was just kind of in not development hell but just kind of distribution hell for a while um so i don't like it is kind of it is a really like an interesting like test tube baby to see like oh like what's like like what could like work with this movie and like what kind of releasing platform is best for it um like you said 2.5 million um is pretty good in terms of like VOD as a whole, but like for like this movie and like the amount of resources that were in it, it's a, it's a Tom Hardy movie. Like I'm sure he got a pretty hefty pay paycheck for this movie. Um, it's not great. It's really not that good at all. Um, and it just kind of shows how we're, we're seeing stuff with trolls world tour and Scoob. like, Oh, like these movies are doing pretty well uh, on VOD, but I don't, we still haven't quite cracked, um, how to work how to work this for non-family friendly movies because uh, like those movies you just put in front of your kids and you plop it on and you keep renting it over and over again until they're satiated and with Capone it's like you watch it and you're like eh I kind of just want to take a shower and not really think about <laughs> this movie anymore you know uh, so it's I think it's definitely signs that we don't quite know how to work VOD on this scale yet yeah no definitely um It'll be interesting to see how other movies do as time progresses, because obviously late June we have some other films that are a little bit more diverse in terms of genre and in terms of just uh, just of what they are. Because, yeah, you're right. We've been seeing success from these family friendly animated movies, but now we're getting sort of into a movie that's not for the kids um, and it, it didn't do great i mean 2.5 million as you said yeah that's good for a, a vod or a movie on vod but it's definitely not what they wanted and if you i mean i could picture in my head a, a scenario where this movie makes over 2.5 million in its opening weekend in theaters like i just feel like that is what would happen i don't think this movie is a huge success at theaters but i think it's it's definitely somewhat significantly better than than this yeah, absolutely. You put a trailer out for this movie and you say, like, Tom Hardy is Capone. And it's like this really, like, strong trailer. Like, you probably get, like, what, eight, nine million? Like, that's, like, a pretty, mm -hmm. like, reasonable guess for its first week. And then it probably drops, like, 70% in its second week because people go and see the movie and they realize what it is. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just not great. It's definitely leaving money on the table. But, I, hey, I don't blame Vertical, Vertical Entertainment and Josh Trank and the producers behind this movie for trying this because... It's like, you know, like they got to release something during this time. Right. So I don't really blame them in that sense. But um, yeah, it's it's just not great any way you look at it for this, even if it was successful for for VOD. You're right. No, you're right. You can't blame them. And I mean, someone's got to try it. Right. Um, so let's move on to the Netflix top 10. Uh, at number one, we have uh, the Lovebirds. We're definitely going to touch on that once we run through this top 10. Um, the Wrong Missy is at number two. Uh, just go with it. Three Soul Surfers on there at four. Public Enemies at five. And Despicable Me at six, which is a film that I feel like has been on there pretty much every week that we've touched on the netflix top 10 uh, at seven we have extraction at eight we have the willoughby's and i just actually wanted to quickly mention netflix released uh, figures that 37 million households had watched uh, the willoughby's in its first month what do you make of that i i this is like crazy and i mean i feel like 
with animated movies that are super successful, there's potential for them to become sort of a household franchise name for families. Do you think this can get to that level? I mean, 37 million households in a month is pretty astounding. Yeah, it was it was really funny. Um, this I was talking to my girlfriend and she randomly brought up. She's like, she was like, oh, I'm thinking about Christmas when I can watch Klaus again. Um, which is like another big Netflix animated movie that came out last year during Christmas, obviously. So I think there's definitely, I think Klaus has quickly gone into like the Christmas movie canon. Maybe it's not like in like the inner ring, but it's definitely there. Um, and I think there is a possibility for this, for the Willoughby's as well. Um, I still don't trust their data. I'd never trust Netflix data. Cause I don't know what that means. Like did 37 million start it? It was a, can you count the same household twice if they watched it two different days? Like I don't. I don't really know, but um, it's been in the top 10 every single week that we've discussed for like ever, it seems like. So um, I think there's a strong possibility there because you think about it, it's like, hey, $15 um, a ticket and $37 million, who knows? That's like we're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars there uh, if we're – I don't feel like doing math because math is really hard. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe uh, it's – the movie's weird enough and I actually kind of liked it. Uh, where like it could latch on. I don't know. I I could see it. I, I think kids could really glom onto this for quite some time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting little uh, tidbit for sure. And uh, rounding it out at nine is uh, Madagascar Escape to Africa, and then at ten, uh, Den of Thieves. So just running back to the top at number one was uh, The Lovebirds. And The Lovebirds is the new um, Netflix rom-com. I mean, what did you make of this? It's starring Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. I mean, you have two really charming uh, leads, in my opinion. I like both of them a lot, and I think that the movie is fine enough just riding their coattails, but, I mean, it, it, it didn't do it for me for the most part. Yeah, the interesting thing to note here is this was going to be a Paramount movie. It was supposed to release, I think, what, early April, if I remember correctly, uh, but yeah. then once all this happened, uh, Paramount was like, here, you take it, and Netflix was like, cool. <laughs> um and it just it is interesting because Paramount and Netflix have had a pretty good relationship for a while now because you have movies like um, The Cloverfield Paradox and Extinction and like even The Irishman that Paramount just kind of gave to Netflix and they're like, hey, do your thing. So this is just kind of the latest example of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly a movie, you know, <laughs> like I watched it. I feel like I feel like I, I feel the same way as you. Where the movie is totally fine, you can watch it. And the movie's under ninety minutes. I think it's like eighty-seven minutes or something like that. But you can just sit there and watch it, and you can kind of come in and out of the room, and just just you don't miss a thing. You know, basically, you know exactly what's happening if you're not quite paying attention to it. Um, I feel like it was sort of destined to be a Netflix movie, even if it wasn't initially going to be one because of that. Where it's like. They're throwing things at you every five minutes to keep you entertained. It's going from one place to another It'll, to keep you watching. Um, but it's not quite successful, um, as you alluded to. I I think Kumail and Issa Rae, I like both of them, but I don't know. If, this movie doesn't quite, I think, use them correctly where they don't go. The movie's not funny enough to be work as a comedy, and it's not thrilling enough to be like one of these fun all in white all in one night thriller movies that I think is a subgenre I really like. Um, but it's, it's just somewhere caught in the middle. And I think it's trying to ride off of, like you said, like these two stars, um, which I think will be enough for some people, but it didn't, it, yeah, it didn't quite get there for me. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's 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 an all right time for sure. I mean, they're they're good, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it just wasn't uh, great. And yeah, that's an interesting thing to point out that it was supposed to drop in theaters. Actually, April third uh, was supposed to be its release date. Um, th- this was definitely a smart move. I mean, it does feel like a Netflix movie. It's something that is obviously now trending at number one. Um, so yeah, good move. Um, now, quickly, just jump into number three on this list uh, is just go with it. The uh, I think it came out in twenty eleven. I'm pretty sure. Adam Sandler, Jennifer. Aniston, Kate Upton, and we were talking about this uh, before we jumped on. Uh, we feel like this is the movie that kind of started Adam Sandler and taking his uh, whole production team and all his friends on uh, on nice excursions and trips. <laughs> oh, it, it's definitely it. Um, we talked about maybe Fifty First Dates is in there too, but I, I feel like Just Go with It was definitely the trendsetter, where it really like you you look at. Sandler's filmography after this movie and it's just like one really nice place after another and like you go to like Hawaii multiple times and there's Blended in there where he goes to like an African resort (laughs) with Drew Barrymore Um, yeah this is definitely the start of it Um, and funny enough I don't really hate this movie I think it's fine like as far as um, like the Happy Madison movies and Sandler movies of this ilk um, it's very very watchable um, and I think it's funny because you hear, I think a lot of younger people love this movie because it's like, oh, it's wacky characters, fun location. Um, I think it's well, it's basically probably the norm for a lot of Adam Sandler movies that kind of speak to younger people. Um, but yeah, I kind of like this movie. How about you? Yeah, no, no, me too. I mean, it's 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 not a great movie, but I don't think it's a bad movie either. Like, it's it, it definitely is one of the more watchable Adam Sandler movies. Like, I'm not, I'm not, it, it doesn't feel like the wrong Missy. <laughs> putting it that way um like i can watch this movie i can enjoy it like it's just a fine time um but yeah i mean it's it, it definitely started adam sandler's fixation on uh traveling the world for his first films yeah and i've i've gone through this journey with that my with adam sandler and i think it was it was kind of set in stone when i saw uncut gems last year last year and just absolutely loved it but i think there's all that time we we've talked about this too on just like off the pod on the pod where it's just like you when you're a little kid you love Adam Sandler movies because they're just really stupid and you like them for that um, then you kind of reach like high school slash college age where you're like oh, I hate this guy like he's not a true artiste he's not out here for the love of film like he just wants to va- get go on vacation and get paid um, and now I'm at the point where I've circled back around and working all the time where it's like you know what he's just out there making money and people are letting him go to these places and he's making his work environment as nice as possible for himself. So I'm over here being like, good, good on you, Adam Sandler. Keep doing that. <laughs> like, I'm so proud of you. Cause it just sounds like a great life. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, that's, that's kind of the cycle, right? You, you love his movies when you're, you're kind of like young juvenile, you know, and you grow up a little, you, you're like, why does he do this? I hate him. And then, then you get older and you appreciate it. You're like, yes, yes. I, I know why you do that. And that's, uh, that, that's kind of the circle of life with Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate him now too. Cause he's, he's finally sprinkling in like for a while there, he was just kind of just doing like turd after turd, but now he's <laughs> like, we, we've talked about it. We all love uncut gems. We could name this uncut gems babble if we really wanted to. Um, but like we all love like when he actually tries and he's starting to sprinkle in a little more where he throws like this and the Meyerwood stories in there and other movies too, where like he's, he's figuring out the balance now, which I really like. So he kind of, yeah. you can kind of have it both ways. No, definitely. Um, and and just kind of wrapping up there, we're going to move into something we've been obviously been doing uh, since it's kind of uh, 
still coronavirus quarantine time, just kind of discussing what we've been talking about and or what we've been watching, sorry. Um, and for me, I, I checked out Spike Lee's first uh, feature film back, uh, I think it came out in 1986, She's Gotta Have It. Um, very short movie. It's under 90 minutes as well. And this is a movie that, it, it, it's a very brave film for a first time director. I think it, like it touches on a lot of subjects and, and the way, um, I mean, there's a lot of nudity in this film as well. I just, it's, it struck me as a very brave movie for being someone's first feature. I definitely enjoyed it though. It, it was very funny. And there's uh, a couple of scenes in particular there that I think I'd, I'd, I'd watch like on YouTube, like I'd revisit, like they're, they're, they're great scenes um, and very hilarious. But for the most part, this is, it, it was a good directorial debut and it's, it's neat to always, in my opinion, go back and look at a director who's, who's been popular for decades, go back and look at the first thing he or she made. I mean, I think that's always a fun thing to do. Yeah, no doubt. And this is one I've kind of had on my list for a while. And um, I am really excited because I think I'm going to like be forced. I'm going to force myself to watch it now that um, The Five Bloods is coming out uh, in a couple months or in a couple weeks or so. So, um, yeah, I think Spike has always been a really confident filmmaker. Uh, so just it is fun to kind of definitely I, I love that, too, where you kind of go back and you've seen so many of these um, like great filmmakers films and you kind of go back and see where it all started. It's, it's, it's a really cool, it's a fun exercise to like explore more about them. Definitely. But uh, what about you? What's something you've uh, been, what are some things you've been checking out recently? Yeah. So I'm going to say this on the pod so I can hold myself to it. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing a little bit of a, a Netflix project where at some point in the future, I want to leave the, the date, uh, unsaid so I can give myself some time to work on it <laughs> but yeah exactly TBD um, but I would like to I'm trying to explore a lot of the Netflix originals uh, and eventually I'm gonna get to the point where I'm gonna rank the top 10 um, that, that have ever been on the service and then maybe just fix it every so often a really cool movie comes out um, but I, I started this week I watched a couple movies uh, 13th the Ava, du Ava DuVernay documentary I just watched for the first time which is just really just troubling and terrific it's i really recommend that and it made me kind of understand why people love ava duvernay so much it's just that was a blind spot for me but now i i kind of get it even if i have some minor issues with that documentary but um i really wanted to touch on uh, tw uh 2017's i don't feel at home in this world anymore um which is a really really fun movie if i gotta say so uh, this movie uh was it actually won the grand jury prize at Sundance, which I found really interesting because it's just like this really grimy, uh, like low res thriller. And it, it's directed by Macon Blair, who's kind of just good buddies with Jeremy Saulnier, who did green room, um, and blue ruin, but in a couple other movies that I, I really, really like. Um, so this was Macon Blair's directorial debut and this movie's terrific. And it stars Melanie Linsky and, um, Elijah Wood is in there. Um, and basically, it's just it follows this woman who's she's very timid. She gets pushed around a little bit. Like there's fun little things where people cut in front of her at in line at the grocery store, just like little things like that. And she's just really upset. And then one day, people kind of just people go into her home and steal a bunch of her stuff, and that really sets her off and kind of gets her entrapped in this underworld of just crime in her area. Uh, it's really terrific, and it's just. It's always fun seeing when Elijah Wood pops up in these really grimy movies as well. Um, I, I really, really love this movie. I don't know if this will make my top 10 when at the TBD date when I drop it, uh, but a really terrific movie that I can't recommend enough. 
No, that's a cool premise. I mean, I, I think I'm going to check that out. That's, that's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool project you're doing. And that's something that I'll be interested to, uh, to look at. And I mean, it, it's, it's definitely something that might take, take some time for you though. Yeah, it's, I'm not, I always, I always feel like when I'm about to like get myself out of a bunch of work, I just give myself more. So I don't know what that says about <laughs> me. I don't know what that says about me at all, but uh, we'll I see. Mean, it'll, def- it'll definitely be an excursion. You're, you're an overachiever uh, and, and we appreciate that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Warms my heart. Um, Warms my heart. <laughs> another thing uh, quickly before we uh, wrap up for this week, another thing that I watched was Animalisa uh, the other day, that the Charlie Kaufman uh, stop motion animated film. And wow, great movie. Um, very, very uh, impactful. I mean, it's it, it's uh, a really good movie. But one of the things I did want to just talk about quickly was the animation because there are a few scenes where, um, like like he's in. You have you have your main character here. He's going into a hotel room or he's going into a bar, and you don't see the uh, animated character walk into the screen yet. They're just kind of showing the uh, the room with nobody in it, and. If someone took a snapshot of that and, and gave me the photo, I, I would say that's a literal um, photo of a hotel room. Like it, it it's literally that almost realistic. Um, it it was it was wild. But no, this is a this is a movie that I would definitely recommend, especially since he has a, a Netflix movie coming out, uh, a Netflix original coming out that he's uh, directing later this year. Um, so I definitely recommend uh, looking at Animalisa for sure. Yeah, his his the movies that he's directed is a little bit of a blind spot for me. And he, he hasn't made much. I think um, I'm thinking of ending things. His Netflix movie coming out later this year it will be his fourth movie that he's directed. Um, but it's yeah yeah he's just a really creative dude. And I mean, if you've seen uh, being John Malkovich, being John Malkovich or adaptation, like you just know he's just really creative and he has a lot of just troubling things on his mind, just about like life. <laughs> and you leave his movies just being like, Oh, what do I do with myself? Um, so I'm very much looking forward to just scratching this one off my list at some point. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that feeling that you described is exactly what, uh, he dives into with this movie as well. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it's also quite funny. Like there's the, his humor is also, it, it breaks through a little bit and it's, it's pretty funny as well. Yeah, he's got a really good uh, self-deprecating uh, humor streak to him. He's just, he's, he's like simultaneously like, like just scouring like just like everything about himself in his movies, but he's also taking the piss out of himself at the same time. It's it's really funny when, especially with adaptation, when he's just he's literally like there's two versions of himself just dueling with each other the entire movie. It's, it's really funny. He's a really interesting guy. I like to sit down with him and just like talk to him for like ever. He seems like he's really interesting. No, definitely. And, and when you do check out uh, this movie and obviously uh, uh, his other directed works as well, I mean, it, 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 it's definitely worthwhile. And I mean, he, he's got a lot to say, obviously. And uh, with that though, I mean, it, it was another pretty good week. I mean, this week we got the Snyder Cut. We got a new Tenet trailer with a lot of Fortnite stuff. I mean, it, it was a busy week for movies. <laughs> yeah, there's things have happened. Even though things aren't happening, things are still happening somehow. <laughs> no, I mean, it's 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 that's the way it is. I and mean, we'll be back next week, obviously. But you can check out uh, our content on moviebabble.com. First time we can say that. That's a... That's a big landmark achievement for us. I mean, that that's wonderful. Uh, thanks, Nick, for coming on. Thank you, Brennan. It's a pleasure. For sure. And uh, as always, check out uh, all our content. We have uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and we'll be back next week talking all things movies. 